Hello, Mississippi and abroad, and welcome to Justify Your Existence, where we talk SEC through the lens of Mississippi. I am Parrish Alford, the Ole Miss beat writer for the Northeast Mississippi Daily Journal, and I'm joined today by our Mississippi State writer, Dalton Middleton. Dalton, how are you, man? Parrish, man, I'm all right. I got a little more uh, got a little more sleep than I usually do last night. I went over and covered the, the baseball game at uh, Duty Noble last night, and uh it ended after four and a half innings, so uh, I, I got home about nine thirty instead of uh, probably what would have been probably eleven thirty or so, or a little later. Um, so I, there's no complaints out of me over here. Yeah, you know when you when you get that in a midweek game that sometimes runs uh, three and a half or close to four hours, and and you have all these pitching changes with guys that the coaches are trying to work because uh, you know guys who don't typically throw on the weekends. You, then you get that that uh, four-inning game, and, and it's like you've won a prize. It's, it's like you, you you pulled out the big thing you were looking for in the box of Cracker Jacks, man. It's just uh, it's just such a good feeling. Or you get that run-rule game sometimes, and, you know, you're sitting there covering, and one team can't get the other out, and all of a sudden you're thinking, when is this game going to end? And and then uh, you didn't realize it, but the coaches uh, in advance had agreed on the run rule. Do, do they do that at State? Do they tend to run rule it over there? They, they have not – there has not been a run rule game this year. I'm trying to think of a midweek game. State scored a bunch and a few of them, but I don't know if um, they scored enough to initiate a run rule or not, but uh, they probably did. But I don't know if they did a run rule or not, Parrish. Well, you know, I think it's just a matter of coaches agreeing on it ahead of time. And Ole Miss has had at least one uh, one run rule game this year. Now, last night was, was not it, and uh, nothing throws a wet blanket uh, on a huge weekend series victory against number two Vanderbilt, like uh, coming out and losing nine to seven to Tennessee Martin uh, the next week, which is what uh, happened with the Rebels last night. Uh, they actually never led in the game. They got down six to three in the middle innings. They came back and tied it. And uh, then Austin Miller gave up a three run home run in relief, and they could not recover from that. Uh, they got down nine to six and actually lost nine to seven. Um, I didn't. Uh, I didn't see the game. I was uh, keeping up on stat broadcast there, but I thought, man, this is uh, this is an unfortunate trend. Once is an isolated incident. Twice is a trend. And um, Austin Miller gave up the home run. Gave up the grand slam. Uh, against Vanderbilt that uh, that really put that game back in question and, and really uh, put the Rebels in position that they needed, absolutely needed those three scoreless innings from Jackson Kimbrell. And he was able to uh, provide that, and they held on and got the win in the series against Vanderbilt. But not a good night uh, for Ole Miss pitching last night. And and Dalton, it, it kind of uh, it brings to the forefront – you know, I wrote uh, – I've got a column in today's Daily Journal, as a matter of fact, talking about Ole Miss pitching uh, and Jackson Kimbrell's performance uh, against Vanderbilt in game three because it's – you know, it, it's kind of shifting a little bit now. There was so so much struggle for that bullpen, particularly middle relief, uh, you know, a few weeks ago. And it's not like they're dominant right now, but they're evolving in such a state that I think Mike Bianco might have two or three pieces that he can go to to help him get to Taylor Broadway, which was the the big issue there a couple of weeks ago. Uh, Austin Miller's kind of sliding in that pecking order, it looks like. But uh, 
Jack Doherty, the freshman, uh, has emerged. Tyler Myers has been pitching well. You got a couple of pieces there. And if Jackson Kimbrell comes on and gets outs the way he did against a very good Vanderbilt offense, then all of a sudden in the bullpen, you've got, you know, a few options there. You've got pieces that can help you get the game to your closer. And that's what they were lacking. And it comes at a at a time that they really need it because if if the bullpen is rising, it looks like starting pitching that had been so good for Ole Miss is declining after the injury to Gunnar Hoagland. You don't take a guy like that out of your lineup and not feel it, uh, but it leaves the Rebels with uh, the other two weekend starters as uh, Derek Diamond and Drew McDaniel, and they've been just okay. Uh, they haven't been terribly consistent. Uh, they both have had uh, flashes and, and, and spots where they've pitched really well. Uh, neither of them pitched very well against Vanderbilt, but uh, the Rebels were able to piece it together and win uh, game three, largely because of their offense. So uh, the loss to Tennessee Martin did drop Ole Miss three spots in the RPI from 12 to 15. So, you know, at 15, you're, you're still in solid position uh, to host. And I, I really think a win at Georgia, one win out of three, I think uh, – I think would get that uh, for them. Just, uh, you know, it would make them 17 and 13 in the SEC regular season. Yeah. And, and like you mentioned a minute ago with the oldest bullpen kind of doing this at the right time, I agree with that 100%. You know, when, when Gunner went down, what was that last week before, like the before last week's series, um, or maybe two weeks ago? Um, you really said you really started to think about this old Miss team. It's like, you know, with only one starter, one true starter now. It's like it's gonna be really hard for them to make a run in the postseason, especially with the way the bullpen have pitched the rest of the year. But if um if you got a couple of those guys in that bullpen stepping up, like Jackson Kimbrell, who can throw three or four scoreless innings against, you know, a team like Vanderbilt, then all of a sudden this team looks a lot different in the SEC tournament and uh and maybe regional play, because you actually have some some depth and some arms that can, you know, can help carry a game. And especially with the way the the um Ole Miss offense is built, you know. You've seen it against Vanderbilt this weekend and against Arkansas. And, and I think that's one Saturday game against State where this team can put up, you know, 17, 18, 19 hits in a game and, and score some runs. So, uh, you know, if the offense is rolling and you got a couple guys stepping up in this uh, in the Ole Miss bullpen, you know, that's a team that, I, that uh, you know, I wouldn't want to see in a, in, a, in a regional if I was a coach somewhere. Yeah, the way I think this thing is shaken up is uh, Ole Miss to advance in postseason is really – going to have to rely on its offense. Uh, it's going to have to every, – everybody's got an ace, okay? And, and in those games, the runs are going to be few. And the Rebels have a, a great one going out in their first game and, and Doug Nikhazy. Uh, But how do you hit second-day pitching? You know, at, when the ace is gone, how do you hit the number two? Uh, how do you hit the number three? And uh, they hit the number three really well against Vanderbilt. And they're going to have to do that – consistently in postseason. Hey, folks, we want to thank our partners, the Oxford Park Commission. Develop your hoops talent this summer with former Ole Miss women's basketball standout Erica Sisk in iHoop, an OPC basketball camp. It's for ages 5 to 10 and for ages 11 to 15. 5 to 10 will go 545 to 630, and the 11 to 15 group will go 6.30 to 7.45. That's every Tuesday and Wednesday, starting June the 1st. 
Cost is $150 per month. Camps run through June and July. For more information, visit OxfordParkCommission.com. Dalton, when they say develop your hoops talent, I I think the ship has sailed for me and and perhaps you too. Uh, Again, that's ages 5 to 10 and 11 to 15. So it's not that that everybody can develop their hoops talent. You know, they're they're really uh, targeting the young there. So you think the ship sailed, man? You think you could uh, get out there and get better? Uh, I could probably get a little better, yeah, only because I'm not very good in the first place. Uh, I enjoy going out and, and playing a little bit with, with some of my buddies every once in a while, but uh, hoops was never my big thing. I, w- I was a decent shooter in high school. I didn't play, but I, I did. I played around, and, you know, and uh, I was a soccer guy. Uh, I, I got uh, – I, I started goalie for us since I was uh, in uh, ninth grade, so I – Soccer and basketball, of course. And Mississippi runs at the same time, so you can't play both. So basketball was never in the works for me. So when you get together with your friends in Starkville and y'all get out and, and, and play the pickup games, where, do, where does that take place? Where do you go? Oh, I don't know here in Starkville. Uh, oh, okay. Honestly, I don't even want to lie to you. I don't know. I know in Tupelo, you know, of course, play over there, uh, you know, all the time kind of near Main Street over there. And uh, so I, I don't know uh, – where it is over here in Starville. I, I don't, I don't really have too many friends over here and my buddies that, uh, that I hang out with and play basketball with haven't really come up here very often. So the, the buddies I have now over here is more of a golf thing than a basketball thing. You know, we got to go out and play golf more than you go shoot hoops. Well, I'm, I'm glad you can throw golf in there, Dalton, because you were really starting to sound like a recluse, but, uh, anyway, um, at least you got, got the golf to fall back on. Hey, let's shift gears a little bit. Let's talk spring football. Uh, it's in the rearview mirror now, uh, focusing on summer, uh, getting ready for August camp when that comes around. Uh, never too early to start looking ahead with football. Uh, looking at State, Dalton, and what they accomplished in the spring, uh, what do you think? Give me some spots that you think they need to get better quickly or, or what will be their first focus when they start practice uh, in August, where where does Mike Leach want this team to improve? Oh uh, well, you know I don't know if it'll be the first thing they focus on, but I do think the most important thing that they need to improve on is the offensive line. Um, offensive line last year gave up thirty four sacks in eleven games, you know, and and that was the most in the SEC, and that kind of turned into a. Uh, 18 interceptions from the quarterback. So, you know, of course the team's going to have a little more interceptions because it's a very pass-heavy offense. But uh, 18 was a lot. And you saw a lot of them uh, come whenever, you know, other other teams were literally only sending three people. They'd send three and drop eight. And they were still getting to the quarterback extremely quick. And that was because of the offensive line splits and some of these guys just weren't prepared. It seemed like, you know, uh, with Mike Leach's air raid offense, they kind of spread the offensive line out a little more and give them some space to uh, block. And uh, that did not work out very well last year because, uh, you know, when KJ Costello was quarterback, they, they they were getting to him just outrageously fast, you know, and that was one of the downfalls of Costello. You know, this, his numbers where he throw four interceptions a game. Yeah. Some of them were his fault, of course, but, uh, a lot of it was, you know, when you have 1.5 seconds to, you know, catch the ball from the center and throw it, you're not going to get, you're not going to be very successful. And uh, I think that's going to be the biggest, the biggest thing for Mississippi State this year because you got to cut down these sacks. You can't give up three or four sacks a game. 
and sometimes and be really successful in offense, especially on third down or something like that. And, um, you know, uh, they, they should be all right. You know, Charles Cross is going to come back and start left tackle. And, uh, you know, he's a, he's a former five-star guy. I think, uh, the, there's a couple of people that are saying that he might be uh, pretty high in next year's NFL draft. So some people are projecting to be in the first round. So, uh, you know, he's a solid left tackle. And then at right tackle, you got Scott Lashley, who, uh, Transferred in from Alabama. He's from West Point. You know, he went to Alabama for a few years, and then last year came over as a uh, graduate transfer and then got hurt and was out for the entire season. Um, so he's back this year, and then you got a couple of guys. Cole Smith returns at center. He's got to work on his, uh, you know, snap accuracy a little bit. He had a few too many turnovers last year. But other than that, you know, this, this team has some experience from last year, but uh, – you know, it comes down to, and, you know, I think we've talked about this before, Parrish, where, uh, you know, not all returning experience is good experience, you know. You know, you can return all five starters there, but, if, you know, if they gave up, you know, 60 sacks last year, what are you really returning there? Um, and I think, you know, Scott Lashley kind of entering on one side is going to be really big for them, especially with uh, Charles Cross on the other side. That'll be able to help, you know, them not take as much pressure from the outside. Uh, from outside blitzes and stuff. Now, now state just has to, you know, solidify its inside blocking a little bit, and uh, you know, watch the air raid offense work a little more. But it, it should improve now with, you know, with the spring and with the summer camp and everything to kind of help learn Mike Leach's offense even more than last year. Because you know, last year they just got fall camp and that was it. So all those offensive linemen learning the new scheme and learning the new splits and being a little farther out with no help, kind of a some of them kind of got exposed a little bit. So uh, I think that's the, that's the biggest thing for state this year, uh, especially because you just, they just had way too many sacks and way too many interceptions last year to be successful on offense. Well, you mentioned that being a thing, uh, protection and timing really being an issue uh, for um, I'm, I'm blacking out. Who was the quarterback? Who was the transfer at the beginning? It, uh, KJ Costello. KJ Costello. It was an issue for him. Why did that change, or did that change with Will Rogers, or he was just was he just a little bit more uh, elusive in the pocket, a little more mobile? Was was he able to have a little more timing uh, in that offense than Costello? Yeah. Well, you saw when Will Rogers uh, started at quarterback. You know, the state was about three or four games in, so the offensive line had already improved a little bit. Um. But by that point, you know, they had made some changes, you know, got a few new guys in there starting instead of, you know, they rotated got a few guys that were really, really uh, struggling out. And uh, and I think it was just Will Rogers' experience more than anything. You know, Rogers came from Brandon. Uh, and they ran an air raid offense in high school, so he kind of knew the system already, knew where he was looking. He wasn't learning it on the fly like Costello was. Um, and I think that helps because, you know, whenever you only have a few seconds back there um, – to kind of already know what you're doing from the last four years of starting, you know, when you have four years of starting in that offense, it's going to obviously you're going to be a little better than the, someone who's learning on the fly right there. But uh, I don't think it was necessarily that the offensive line greatly improved for Will Rogers. Um, they were better, but I think that was just simply because of a few changes and then just getting a little more experience as the year goes on because there were still plenty of times where uh, Will Rogers was running for his life, you know, multiple times a game. You know, you think maybe maybe not so much in the Ole Miss game, but against Georgia and Alabama and stuff like that. And, um, 
they got really bad for them, you know, with some of those elite defensive lines. What's another spot uh, that you think will be a focus for this team in August practice? Yeah, I think the other – really the other two spots for State I think that they're going to have to work on is uh, the defensive line and, and in the safeties. The defensive line, of course, you lose Kobe Jones and Marquis Spencer. Marquis Spencer was drafted in the seventh round by the, uh, the Broncos. And so you have to replace those two guys. And, um, you know, the Jaden Cromedy returns, and he's a, solid, he's a solid defensive line starter. He started all 11 games last year. But um, – the defensive line has to get more pressure. Um, you know, th- this offense is built around getting pressure. And um, if you look at some of the numbers and some of the stats, um, you know, I think I think Crumity started all 11 games, and I'm not sure he had one sack last year. If he did, it was very low number and uh, not very many tackles for loss. So, you know, you know, I'm not real sure what his role is, but he's not getting behind the line of scrimmage very often, it seems. Or if he is, it's at, you know, pointless times. Um and most of their tackles for loss and sacks came from the linebacker group, which, of course, they're always blitzing like crazy. Um, but you see Aaron Brule and Tyrus Wheat had, are you know, both starting linebackers, and both of them led the team, I think, one and two in uh, returners. They led the team in returners, one and two in uh, sacks and tackles for loss. So uh, defensive line has to generate some pressure, you know, kind of help take off the top a little bit for this, to, to help the safeties out, you know because the safeties were a very uh, inexperienced group last year, should be a little more experienced this year. Um, but you saw last year, I really it started against Georgia because the uh, state had a few opt-outs in that secondary. And um, all of a sudden Georgia, you know, throws the ball for, you know, I think they had four touchdowns that were over 40 yards, um, just straight up the middle, really go routes. And then you saw that against Ole Miss. I think it was uh, – maybe it was Braylon Sanders or somebody. Somebody had a 90-yard touchdown that just really just ran straight down the field. Um, and, you know, it didn't happen so much in Tulsa when it was all rainy and wet. But uh, there was a couple of games there where it just seemed like the safeties just couldn't cover a soul. And uh, I think uh, they have improved on that. You know, they, they all have a little bit of experience coming back from last year, and they got a couple guys from injuries in the transfer portal. Um Jalen Green comes in and he looks like he's going to start right away. He's a five, uh, former five-star recruit. You know, he went to Texas for a few years and then transferred in this offseason. Um, he made an instant impact in the spring game. You know, he had a fumble recovery for a touchdown, had a big hit against one of the running backs, looked really good, had five or six tackles and kind of helped uh, shape up that that secondary. And um, then you got C.J. Morgan coming back from injury. He didn't play at all last year. If he did, it was the very last – one or two games and it wasn't very much um but he's coming back this year and uh should help strengthen that up a little bit it's just you know when you think about the secondary you have you have Emmanuel Forbes and uh and Martin Emerson on both sides and both of them you know Emmanuel Forbes led the country in interceptions by a freshman last year with five and Martin Emerson gave up one touchdown last year so when your two cornerbacks are as good as those are um and you still give up probably the most passing yards and the most passing touchdowns, you know, something's got to come, something's got to give in that, in that, that the safety room. And uh, I think they're improved, but uh, those, those three spots I think are really the most important that they're going to have to improve on to be successful and win a few more games this year, the offensive line, defensive line and second and the safety group. Well, you, you mentioned the need for pass rush from the defensive line there. And, and that's an issue that I think Ole Miss really needs to, improve as well and there's been so much uh, attention on that defensive side of the ball and a lot of it on the line but you go back and look at last year 
know, they got a little pass rush off the edge from Sam Williams. Uh, you know, sometimes you might see a Jacquez Jones or somebody, a Jalen Jordan applying pressure. It just didn't come uh, from the interior defensive line. Not that those guys make a lot of tackles, but they got to make some. You know, and typically uh, when that group is playing well, you're seeing plays on the other side of the line of scrimmage. You're seeing tackles for loss and that sort of thing. And you just didn't get that many from the Ole Miss interior defensive line, not many at all. And and I look at that group right now, no push last year. And and I think that could really be different, you know. And look, I, I don't think you cast aside these returning players if you're Ole Miss. It will be interesting to see what type of development occurs with guys like Quentin Bivens and K.D. Hill. Can they be better, you know, in year two, uh, with DJ Durkin and Chris Partridge, uh, we'll see. Got a new position coach. You know, the only casualty on that coaching staff, the only guy who was let go because of performance uh, was Deke Adams, the defensive line coach. So new guy in there and Randall Joyner uh, from SMU. Uh, they, you know, He's considered an up-and-comer, young, energetic. So we'll, we'll see if those guys develop and play better. But they added so many pieces uh, in the signing class, the two two JUCO guys, uh, Isaiah Iton, Jamon Gordon. You know, uh, Gordon can play a tackle or end. And then the big kid uh, from New Jersey, the freshman, Taiwan Malone. Uh, he'll be getting there in August. A lot of, lot of hype for this guy. I mean, you know, when you go back and think of those really dominant uh, Alabama defensive lines uh, in the early part of the Nick Saban era, I know right now, uh, that team is winning, and you focus on quarterback and receivers. That's kind of their calling card now in the tempo offense. But those early teams, man, were had those dominant defenses, and, and they had the, the defensive tackles that were athletic beyond their size. You know, those guys that you get sometimes on some teams who can chase down a quarterback on the edge when he's out of the pocket, you know, who can really uh, bring speed to that position. Uh, those guys are rare. And uh, Ole Miss believes they have this kind of player in Taiwan Malone. So it will be interesting to see, you know, how much better they can be on the defensive line interior. And uh, look, uh, frankly, they got to be better on the defense overall. But I would I would spot up that defensive line as like the epicenter uh, of where they need to get better, and then particularly on the interior, uh, offensively. You know, they're without an offensive line coach right now. Kind of a bizarre situation. You know, you see Lane Kiffin making these uh, out-of-the-box uh, moves every now and then, and, and most coaches aren't going to intentionally disrupt their staffs uh, after spring training. Uh, but that's what he did when he parted ways with Randy Clements on the offensive line. Uh, no word right now on who that replacement will be. So that's, that spot is still uh, TBA. But I know that uh, Lane Kiffin wants to see development. Again, as we talk about the defensive line, he's got to get more depth on the offensive line too. And I think that was a sticking point uh, to a degree because the bodies are there. There are guys who have been in the program for a while now, uh, like a Hamilton Hall, a Bryce Ramsey, a Carter Colquitt, a Jalen Cunningham. There are bodies there that just need to be contributing at a little bit higher level 
than we're seeing from them at this point in time. You know, and with Ole Miss and with any tempo offense, uh, a lot of it becomes uh, you keep that same offensive line because you're trying not to substitute. You're trying not to run guys on and off the field when you're going at a high pace. But they substituted so very little on the offensive line last year that I, I know they're trying to get uh, those second-tier guys ready to play. And the other spot, uh, really, uh, Dalton, that I think they need to get uh, to get better is, uh, look, there's going to be focus uh, on the wide receiver position. You know, I think they're going to have plenty of targets. But, uh, again, you're subtracting a guy like Elijah Moore. You don't do that and not feel it. And, and I really think that Braylon Sanders, who caught one of those long passes you were talking about in the Egg Bowl, that 91-yarder uh, that you referenced uh, straight up the middle, that was uh, Elijah Moore. But uh, Braylon Sanders had a long TD catch in that game as well. He's a guy, he's averaged over 20 yards a catch for his career, so he does a good job of getting separation downfield. He had a long touchdown catch or, or, or long catch maybe. It was the long catch that led to the Elijah Moore touchdown in the 2019 Egg Bowl. He's made those plays uh, throughout his career. His problem has been staying healthy, um, which he did not at the end of last season, had the injury against LSU that kept him out of most of spring. But I, I think Braylon Sanders becomes a really intriguing uh, deep ball guy for Matt Corral. I, I just think he does. This is assuming he stays healthy. Uh, so I, I look for the Ole Miss receivers this year. You're not going to have that one guy where they're just throwing it to – they threw it to Elijah Moore like every play. There was so much chemistry between Corral and Moore and so much consistency from Moore. Yeah, it was easy to do that, to run up numbers like that for one player. I think that production is spread around this year. I think Braylon Sanders becomes a deep ball guy. I think uh, you saw – what uh, Dontario Drummond could do next year, some consistency there. And I, I think you're going to see a newcomer step up. Uh, maybe that's uh, Quay Davis, a junior college transfer. Maybe that's somebody else. But uh, you're going to see uh, some guys emerge. Look, it's, you know, what I say about college football, man, you can find people to run and catch. You can. You know, you can find people to run and catch. Uh, you need to be physical. Uh, on the lines, and as we have uh, pointed out, both of these schools are trying to improve on both of the lines. You know, it, there's a constant theme here of uh, get better in the trenches. You got to be good there, and you got to be elite at quarterback. And if you can do that, you can win at a high level because if you can play well in those positions, I think you can find people to run and catch. You know, you can find people to run and tackle. You know, it might be a little harder. You got to play some technique to cover in the secondary. But uh, I just think there, there are some positions where, you know, year in and year out, when you see guys leave, you're going to see guys emerge. It's harder to be elite at quarterback, and it's harder to be uh, elite athletically uh, on the defensive line. So, anyway, folks, that will wrap us up for this edition of Justify Your Existence, the podcast that talks SEC through the lens of Mississippi. Check out our work at djournal.com. Find that drop-down menu on the left. Scroll down to the Ole Miss and Mississippi State pages and watch the stories flow. Join us on Facebook, Ole Miss Discussion with Parrish Alford, Mississippi State Discussion with Dalton Middleton. Lots of good things in those groups. 
Thanks for being with us, folks. Come back and join us tomorrow.